Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. In the next weeks or so, we're going to talk about heaven when mystery and majesty collide. And so there's a lot of things that I'm sure that you're aware of or you have a picture of that when we talk about heaven, but we're going to go deeper today because I think that as a people that, that we have a surface knowledge of what heaven is all about, but we lack so much of really what, what is going to be there for us. I think there's a lot of mystery about heaven. And so we're going to talk about the, the majesty that I think that our heart and our mind would help to us understand about heaven. But but dig deeper into how these worlds of mystery and majesty collide. Before we jump into that this morning, just kind of as a, a launch pad for us this morning, let me ask you a question. How many of you like to travel? How many of you, come on, get your hands up. How many of you are, you love whether it's vacation or opportunities to get out and away, you love to travel? I guess that, that maybe that's not everybody today. There might be some, some homebodies in the house today that, yeah, I, I like just kind of that, that staycations are more your speed than jumping out and getting around. But how many would agree with me that, that you think the location I'm about to show you in just a minute would look better in February than how it's going to look outside your living room window this February. How many, if you see this picture, right? How many are going to believe, whether you're a traveler or not, right? Your Erie is not going to look like that in February, right? And whether you're a traveler or not, there can't be too many of us that say, no, I'll take the wind and the 30 inches of snow and the ice and versus that. We realize that there are some expressions in our mind, these hope fors, right, that, that get us out of some of the difficulties that, that we get out. Debbie and I had a chance to be with uh, some new friends up in York, Maine just last week. And uh, Debbie and I lived in New England for about five years, and we never made it to the, um, just the, the picturesque, uh, the rocky coastline of Maine. And I can tell you that pictures just just don't do it justice. I mean, it was, I, you know, we used the, the word about being breathtaking, right? I mean, it just seemed like, like every mile, every corner around that rocky coast, it just got, got a more amazing as, as our journey. But one of the struggles that, that we were wrestling with in preparing was, was packing and preparing for a place that we've never been to before. I want you to think about that in light of, of our series that we're going to be in over the next couple of weeks. Some of the struggles about going somewhere that you've never been for is, well, well how do I pack and, and how do I prepare, especially at, at this time of the year? Because we were told, listen, it could be sunny and 80 on that rocky coast, or it could be rainy and 50, right? You just never know what the weather is going to be when you're up along the coast. Well, let me show you a couple of pictures because fortunately for us, it was sunny, but 50, all right? So, so we had to buy some sweatshirts while we were there, and this was a cliff walk that we had uh, been on. Uh, our friends had a, had a boat. We went out into the ocean a little bit, and, and there was this kind of lone lighthouse. Um, and doesn't Debbie look awesome up there, Annie? 
So, I mean, we had an awesome time, but you can see that, uh, that there was kind of this idea about how are we going to enjoy this travel and, and how are we going to prepare for it when, when, when we don't know really what to expect. And I think that if we're honest, we could probably have the same feeling when we think about heaven. I mean, let me ask you honestly, what do you really know about heaven? I mean, I think we all probably have a, a couple of quick things, right, that, that we think that, that, that heaven's going to be. But I think, honestly, for a lot of us, there's a lot of mystery that surrounds history. I mean, I think there are plenty of verses that talk about it, but the travel brochure isn't really written, right, in the language that it's easy for us to quantify. I mean, here's, here's one description of what heaven is going to be like. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. First foundation was that of jasper, the second of sapphire, the third of agate, and the fourth of emerald, the fifth onyx, and the sixth ruby. Listen, there might be a lot of women in the room that understand what the writer is saying, but like I don't understand any of this, right? The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate was made from a single pearl. The great streets of the city were made of gold as pure as transparent glass. Listen, I'll be honest. When I'm checking into a resort, all I want to know is do they have a pool and do they have a gym, right? I don't care what the walls or the streets are made out of. That's the least, right, of, of my understanding of what it is. In fact, if I'll be honest with you, when Debbie and I vacation, we often like to go back to the same location oftentimes to the very same resort, because we know exactly what to expect. So, I mean, we are travelers, and, and I've had a chance to travel the world, and it's been awesome, but there is something about going back to the same place where you just kind of feel comfortable. You feel home away from home because you have a layout of the land. You know where everything is at. You know how to get to what you need and so it almost heightens our anticipation because as we are packing and preparing for something that is very familiar to us, that we can see ourselves on those big lounge chairs watching that massive waterfall kind of pour down into the pool and most of the time seeing those little kids running by screaming as they're jumping into the water. Okay, I lied about that part. I hate that part. You see, because we know what's there, it makes us long to want to be there. Does that make sense to you? Like you can begin to picture yourself right into that same routine, that, that idea of being relaxed, of just enjoying whether it's vacation or that time off and, and all of that effort to make it really happen. You see, the crazy thing I think for all of us today, especially those who are followers of Christ, we all know where we're going we just don't know what it's really going to be like once we get there. I mean, I can't really understand a gate that has been fashioned and formed out of just one pearl. Like, like how do I quantify that? How do I, how do I begin to understand, really, the mystery and the majesty of heaven? 
And it stands to reason that because we really don't know what heaven is really like, it's hard for us to really long for this home that God has created for us. Now, I know we, we certainly long for it, but, but we're longing for what most to us is, is a mystery. And so how do we fully understand, really? I think the more that we know, hopefully, right, the more that we know, the more our anticipation or our expectation rises, right? In a time, Debbie and I are going to go back to one of the resorts that we go to, and our, our minds can already begin to spin because we know exactly, right, what our days are going to be. We know how we're going to fill each one of those minutes and hours and all the fun and the enjoyment that we're going to have. Why? Because we've been there and, and we keep moving that way. But as much as we know that we want to go to heaven, I think that there are a lot of questions that go along with that. And that's why I think it's so important for those of us that one day that want to go to heaven, that you are here on these Sundays, that you get into life group, that we learn more and more about it. Because I think the importance is not so much of what we'll do then, but it's more about what are we doing now to prepare to be there one day. You see, because the Bible says that there is only a very small path that we've got to find that one day is going to lead us into that eternity, into that place called heaven. And so as much as we're going to unpack of what it's going to be like to get there, we also have to unpack how do I get there? How many think that's pretty important? So we need to know the truth of that as well. So in the first half of our series, I want to talk with you about the mystery of heaven. I mean, let's be honest. You do have questions about heaven. Am I right? We all have questions about it. There's a lot of mystery that swirls around heaven. In fact, this series might even frustrate some of you because the Bible doesn't give us a ton of details about heaven. I mean, the brochure isn't very big is not extremely or extensively explaining everything that heaven is going to be. Some of you have questioned, uh, are my pets going to go to heaven? In fact, maybe as part of this series, uh, we may take part of a Sunday and, and maybe we'll give you an opportunity to even text in or get some question to us. And maybe I'll do kind of a, a Q&A because, again, I think there's a lot of mystery. And one of those big ones, often people ask, like, like are, are there going to be pets in heaven. Well, I can help with that today. The Bible is very clear on that point anyway, that the Bible says that all dogs go to heaven. Uh, cats don't have a chance. Cats are out. <laughs> huh? Come on, somebody tell me you've read that too, right? Yeah, come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe some of you question, Pastor Jim, are we still going to be married in heaven? How does that whole thing work? Is our earthly marriage going to translate to heaven. And some of you are saying, oh, I, I certainly hope so. And some of you are saying, oh, I certainly, okay, okay, I won't finish that either. Like, what's that all going to be about? Well, I know my family in heaven. Am I going to have the same friends? Like, are, are, are we going to know each other like, like, like we do here? What kind of body are we going to have? I mean, all these questions around the mystery of heaven. I think one of the big ones that, that maybe as a believer and unbeliever, again, if we're kind of honest this morning, have asked as well is what are we going to do in heaven for all eternity? 
Now, I know that there are moments like we just experienced today. I mean, a lot of people say, man, we're just going to worship Jesus like forever and forever and forever and forever. Listen, there are some people here today that are just massive worshipers, right? Like, you're just like, man, just like, like just, uh, you know, I get my jam on in the morning with some elevation worship, with some hill song, with whatever. Like, that's all I need. And that's great. And we can do that for like five or six hours, right? But think about like a hundred million billion years, right? Like, that's what I'm going to be doing. I think a lot of you question, man, like, like how long is eternity? And, and what are we going to do when somebody says like a million billion years, right? It's hard for our, our finite mind to try to understand what infinity is all about. I think a lot of people think that heaven really is just going to be boring at some point, right? Like after we've gone through all the things that we know, we kind of get to the point of like what else is there to do? Like I, I get bored here on earth, right? There, there comes a limit. There comes a spot where like I don't know what, like is it just going to be one perpetual church service like 24-7 forever, Right? You think because I have two or three conclusions at the end of every service that there's going to be like two or three thousand conclusions and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, right? Come on. Are we just going to float around? I hear people say, we're just going to float around on clouds playing the harp, right? What is the mystery of heaven? Maybe because we don't know a whole lot about it it's hard for us to explain to our family and friends how badly they need to be there we have a window we have a picture but hopefully these next weeks ahead I want to give you I want to I want to fill in the brochure a little more I want you to not only know about what heaven's gonna be like someday but I want you to be ready today ready today for your eternal home I think if there's anything more important that is the most important you see I think Satan, his great deceptions that he promotes to people today is, first of all, that heaven is not real. And I can tell you that as every year now here in our world passes, that number of people who even believe in heaven is coming down and down every year. I mean, I think if we could think those of us that are a little bit older, man, it's like everybody we knew wanted to go to heaven, but we know that's not the fact today. There are the lies and the deceptions of truth, of seeming truth today that, that wants to dissuade us from going to heaven. And I think the other big thing that Satan does is that he wants to help people to realize that it's going to be boring. I mean, you've heard people say before, I'd rather go to hell. I know all my friends are going to be there. It's going to be one big party, right? And so when we don't know what heaven's really going to be like and, and we can't quantify what millions of years in a place that we've never been and, and the brochure is a little weak in, in its full description and because there are things here on earth that we may really, really like to do and we wonder, you know, are there going to be bikes in heaven that I can get out and ride my bike every morning? Right? We want to be kind of super spiritual a lot and just say, no, we're just going to stand in a big cathedral hall and we're just going to sing. Right? Maybe God will tweak our voices and maybe when we get up there, we're going to have a really good voice. Right? Maybe that's what we're hoping for. 
We know down here God loves a joyful noise, but up there maybe he wants it a little better, right? A little, a little EQ on some of our voices, right? You see, the question really isn't do people not think about heaven. I think the question really is people don't really know what to think about heaven. Can you say yes with me? Am I kind of speaking to some of you? Like, is this helpful? I know the older that we get, certainly the more we do think about eternity. I know that when I do funerals, it's not quiet just always in respect of the lost loved one. You see, there are a lot of people in the room that are considering their own departure. It's a moment that kind of quiets our spirit because we're thinking, I'm getting closer to that end. I'm getting closer to eternity. And people truly want to know what's next. I kind of add that into almost every funeral service that I do. Because I know that whether we can articulate it or not, people want to know not only where are they going, but really what's it, what's it all about. But I want you to know that that's not by accident. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the great wisdom writer Solomon says this to us. For he has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity into every human heart. It's good, isn't it? You see, why we question and why we ponder and why we wonder about heaven or eternity, it's not by accident. It's because God has already wired that into us. In fact, let me give you this maybe shocking alert this morning. The truth is, you don't become an eternal being once you die. You are already an eternal being. You are going into eternity. That's why when you go to funerals and the older that you get, like it gets more and more serious. Because now that decision that, again, was years off back when you were living it up, you're realizing that you're on the short end of the years that you have been given in this life. And I think, again, that's why this series in my heart was so important to be able to share. And that's why, again, as we talk to you about life groups, I mean, who doesn't want to dig right a little deeper into this and get some truth and understand? I think we as a church, we've become really good at telling people how to get to heaven, but not necessarily that good at telling them what heaven is truly going to be like. So how do you pack and how do you prepare for a place you've never been to before? How can you have the anticipation? How can you have this idea of, of enjoying your time there when, when you don't know really what it's going to be about? You know, I've heard people over the years just talk about their big mansion. Oh, I'm going to get a mansion, Pastor Jim. It's going to be a 15-bedroom, 12-bath. It's going to overlook the ocean. It's got big gates. There's a big sign that says, keep out at my mansion. Right? Like, I've earned this. Like, I've been good. Like, I've done all of the things. And so, you know, that old hymn writer got us all thinking, what? You mean I get a mansion over the hilltop? Woo! Like, I can't wait because, like, I got a one-bedroom flat in Erie. That's really disgusting. But, man, if I do it right, I'm getting me a mansion someday. And we all know, man, if we get a mansion, we don't want everybody tromping through our place. And so a lot of people have this kind of mixed up idea about how I'm going to be there. What, you know, and, and then maybe if it's not the mansion thing, then 
when people talk about heaven, they're like, well, listen, all I know is that there's going to be these two big scary judgment seats. Like before you go through the gate, you have to stand up in front of this big God, and there's these mega jumbotron screens, and it plays back everything that you've done wrong your whole life. Right, And if you pass that, then you get into heaven. Well, how many of your unsaved friends are going to be real excited about that moment in heaven, right? Like, what? Like, everything that I've done goes up on a screen? Thanks, but no thanks. So what's our goal? What do we need to know in our weeks ahead? Well, as I've alluded to several times already, heaven provides hope for the future. But I think maybe most importantly, it provides hope for our present. You see, the more that we unpack, and surely what is it that God has already gone ahead to reserve and to make ready for his bride, to make ready for his church, that the more that we know about the hope of heaven, about what Christ has, is preparing and doing for us, that it not only gives us hope for tomorrow, but really what it does is secure our anticipation and our heart for today that I know, that I know, that I know, that as I step into eternity, that my hope and my desire is going to be met with everything that Christ has done for me in a place called heaven. This is the way Paul talked about it to the first century church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, brothers and sisters, church, I don't want you to be uninformed. See, Paul realized that, that even as, as the church was just getting its footing, as, as believers were just being seen as believers, they didn't understand about what's next. In fact, they, they had a lot of misconception of happens when you die, where you go, and what the afterlife is all about. And so Paul says, as a revelation from God himself through the Holy Spirit to the church, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to have mixed up thoughts or have no thought or understanding about what's next, about what eternity is all about. And so here, I'm letting you into the picture about those who have already slept in death, those who die. I want you to know that we don't have to grieve over them like those that have no hope, that, that there is going to be a, a sad exit to their life. But I want you in the church, I want believers to understand that although we will be sorrowful for the loss that we experience in this life, that we believe that because Jesus died and rose again, he being the first fruit, he being the resurrection and the life, that those that put our hope and our trust in him, we believe that so we will be resurrected as well, that we will be with him, and that one day that those who sleep, that when Jesus comes back for his church, those who have gone before him will be part of the vast heavenly army, that we're going to see Jesus exalted in the world, and that we are going to be forever with him, forever and forever and forever. And so Paul helps the church, listen, don't grieve about all the suffering and difficulties that the early church was going through as it was getting its foundation, as it was being built. Are we just going to be uh, persecuted? Are we going to be martyred into oblivion? Like, you know, Paul, they're coming after us. And Paul said, listen, I don't want you to be uninformed. This is not the end. This is just the rehearsal. Amen. This isn't all that it's going to be, that there is eternity. And our resurrected Jesus, who you saw come back from the grave, his promise to you as I is that death is not the end, that grave is not our future, but from this life, so we will ever be present with the Lord. And when he comes back, guess what? We're going to be reunited, and we're going to see them again. So not only hope for today, 
but hope about our tomorrows as well. The power of hope changes grief for today and most certainly tomorrow as well. You see, the church will be the church triumphant because the work that Christ has made available to us today. I think there's another part that, that again, motivates and, 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 and challenges our today and our tomorrow. But, but let me take you to the other perspective when we think about teaching and thoughts about heaven today. Because eternity motivates people. I think for some of you, right, we, we become motivated when we hear about some expression about what heaven is going to be like. Right? We don't fully understand. We don't, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, verbally kind of work in our vernacular all the time. It's not the way we talk. And so, so we try to have to put it into some kind of perspective. But we live in very unfortunate times. And I, and I know that certainly that they, they have been over the centuries. But, but within the last 20 or 30 years, there have been a, a sect of people, terrorists, those who are, are re, under, under the term of religion that have done horrible atrocities for the reward of one day, what? Making it to paradise. And who... Right by way of these virgins and, and, and this picture that has been painted by way of certain religions that if you follow the law, if you follow and, and that you kill the infidels, that there is going to be a heavenly, a paradise reward for you that is beyond your mind's imagination. And we have lived in a time where great atrocities have happened in people hoping that if I do this, I will get a wonderful place in paradise. 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us this, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We know that religion and that teaching that if we do harm or we you killing that that we get some heavenly home is absolutely false and so we again rely on the teaching of the word of God and Peter helps us to understand that God made promises to his church that God made promise to his people that this would not be our eternity but that he would go in fact Jesus said to us we read it a lot in the gospel of John I am going away and preparing a place for you so that where I am that you might be with me forever and forever how many say amen to that you see we know that God has made promise to his church and to his people and that one day there will be a new heaven a new earth and that there will be a place that righteousness dwells I guess if we could say, considering the best of our circumstances, you know, we've all been to places where we would say, I think it's breathtaking. I, I think of these last couple of nights, and we often joke about eerie sunsets, right? And, and one of them, so Debbie went out for a run last night pretty late, just almost before dark, and I don't know if you follow her on her Facebook stuff, but she put some of those pictures. Uh, Cheryl is here today. She's like the queen of eerie with the most amazing pictures of, of sunsets and eeries. I mean, makes the TV and the news all the time. Why? Because there are so many sights that we see across our lake where we would say breathtaking, right? I mean, there are pictures. Debbie came back, and that's the first thing that she said to me. Look, look what's out there. It was amazing tonight, right? There's these pictures. 
You see, what I want to put into your soul is that heaven is going to be better. I've been so fortunate to travel the world and, and to be in amazing places that truly were breathtaking. Memories that I have today, like how could it get any better than this? I mean, I just like, I'll build the house right here and just live here like peacefully for the rest of my life. But as good as it is on this terrestrial ball, I want you to know that heaven is far better. That heaven is far better. And, and until we live with eternity in our soul and our spirit, that we are not going to live in fullness here on earth. Because the truth is, is that earth is not our home. We talked about last week that what? We are ambassadors for Christ. That we are refugees. That we are aliens here. Our home is heaven. C.S. Lewis writes this. It's hard for us to imagine just how good heaven will be. Because we have fallen much too in love with the pleasure. You see, until our hunger and our appetite is more for Jesus, more for his promises, to live out what he is doing for us in the here and now. You see, it's not good for the church that we live in eternity today. That's coming. We have to live with eternity in our hearts. You see, to help make a difference for those to find their path and their road through the, what the Word of God says to their heavenly home as well. So let me give you four things pretty quickly today. So what is heaven going to be like? How do we describe the mystery and the majesty of heaven? Heaven has a word in the New Testament that, that we, we have the ability to interchange, and we see it often as the word paradise. And I think that kind of relates a little bit more to us when we get a chance, had a chance to be, you know, in the Caribbean or, or, or islands that, you know, are, are off the coast, right? You hear a lot of people say it's what? This is paradise. I mean, this is just a place where I want to plant and like I never, I never want to move. I, you know, I want to put my big chair at the edge of that beach, right? And just have the waters come and lap up against my feet and and just to, just to relax all day and to say, this is paradise. Well, the Bible explains to us that heaven is going to be paradise. So whatever you can somewhat understand of paradise in this life, we just learned that what? Heaven is better. And so what is a better paradise? What's the better paradise than anything that you have ever experienced in this life? Revelation 2 says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. In heaven, we recognize that there is a place that God has reserved for us. So here are the four things that I want you to, we're going to unpack. That parrot, it will be a paradise of sight. The Bible tells us this, that when the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, 
down the middle of the straight street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation. No longer will there be any curse. You see, there have been places that have been breathtaking for us. Things of which you would say, man, I don't want to leave here. I want to stay here forever. And so there is going to be a glimpse of heaven for you and I, a paradise of sights, that it's just going to be one more amazing sight after another. As Debbie and I were driving up that jagged, rocky coast of Maine, and I've been to other places that it seems every corner or turn, you think, man, it can't get any better. And Oh my gosh, look at that. That the sights just kept getting better and better and better. The Bible helps us to understand that although we don't fully understand, but that we know that heaven is going to be a paradise of sight. It's going to be a paradise of sound. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this, I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. And he heard, listen to me, church, he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is even permitted to tell. So Paul gives a revelation. He said, I got caught up into heaven and I was blown away by the things that I heard. He said, in fact, it's so majestic, so amazing that I've been limited. I don't even have the words to describe to you what it is that I heard in heaven. Am I getting anybody ready to pack some bags this afternoon? He said, I wish I could tell you. How many have been somewhere, right? And you're trying to tell, it's just, it's so amazing. You don't even have the words to describe. Like, listen, like I said, like the pictures don't even do it justice. You got to be there. And Paul had the opportunity to be caught up into the heavens. And he said, listen, I can't even tell you just how amazing heaven is going to be. Revelation chapter 19 says, and this I heard what sounded like a roar. I don't know about you, but when I read Revelation 19, my, my neck starts to tingle already. And there was a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! For salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, loud peals of thunder that were shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory! Heaven is going to be a paradise of sound. Some of you, maybe like me, have gone to Niagara Falls, and you can take a walk behind the falls. There's this cave and dugout, and, and there is an opening that is literally behind the power of the falls coming down. And the tour guide is trying to shout to help us to understand what was been done. But you can't hear a thing because of the thunderous roar of the waters going down. And it gives me the picture one day, much like today, but heaven 
Listen, Joss, Kate, Gabe, Adriel, Josh, yeah, you guys were awesome today. You're awesome. But unfortunately, heaven is going to be better. <laughs> the roar in this house was great today. But can I tell you, heaven is going to be better. The peals of thunder as a great multitude begin to cry out, holy, holy, holy is his name. Paradise is going to be a paradise. Heaven is going to be a paradise of peace. I don't know if you can think about your life today and yesterday and last month. Could you think about a life of no stress? Amy and John Frano, can you think of a life, a moment, a day with no stress? It's been a good couple of weeks, hasn't it? No stress, no interruptions, no texts, hello? No calls in the middle of the night where our world seemingly is spiraling out of control. No fear, no shame, no past, no suffering. The Bible tells us that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Listen, church, there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things will be passed away. Heaven is going to be better. Heaven is going to be better. But maybe the greatest paradise of heaven is going to be the paradise of your story. Say, Pastor, what are we going to do for a hundred million years? We can try to come up with some ideas, but, but I think one of the amazing things of heaven is that the stories that we read on the page are now going to be in 3D coverage live to sit beside David and say, so I mean, was Goliath really a bad man? I mean, was he really 13 feet tall? I mean, come on, tell me the story. I mean, Pastor Jim did a pretty good job back when I lived in area telling the story, but I mean, you were there. The Bible talks about, in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 and 13, about the heroes that have gone on before us. The Bible talks about the four and 20 elders that are around the throne today that are cheering those of us that are followers of Jesus on in our race. There are gonna be people that we know about. And I think there's gonna be some stories from people that we had no idea. In fact, one of the things that amazed me is sometimes within our story that things were done on our behalf that we had no idea was being done on this earth. Some of you maybe have no idea about people that were praying for you, praying for you to find Jesus, praying for you for your healing, praying for you to find that, that spouse or that person. Maybe it was a little grandma in a back room somewhere that just got up as part of her routine every day and just prayed heaven down over her grandkids and over her family. 
Maybe there are going to be stories of people who did the unseen so that today that we could know the hope and the joy of one day knowing that we are going to be in heaven forever and forever. And for us to take a moment and to say, thank you, Grandma. Thank you, sir, ma'am, that God woke you up in the middle of the night somewhere halfway around the world and God just said, hey, there's a woman named so-and-so lives in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I didn't even know where Erie, Pennsylvania was, but I got out of my nice warm bed and I got down onto that cold floor on my knees and I just began because the Spirit of God prompted me for heaven. And one day you're going to bump into that person and they're going to say, it was you? It was you. Oh, tell me the story of heaven. Tell me the story again. You see, the sad truth is, is the story of heaven is that some of the people that think they're going to be in heaven might not be there. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25 that that God did look at some and say, depart from me. And you're like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what about all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you did stuff. But you didn't know me. You didn't live for me. You lived to get your, to get your name in lights, to get recognized from the platform. But, but let's be honest, that's all. But then the other joy of paradise is that there are going to be people who you thought would never make it to heaven. Oh, but by the grace and mercy of the Lord, who maybe in the midnight hour, now I know some of you are going to have a hard time with this next phrase, but, but even in the midnight hour, their very last breath, Oh, you see, that's where that righteous church spirit rises up, doesn't it? I'm going to remember Jesus talking about those that worked in the field for the amount all day, but yet the people that came in at the last hour got the same wage. Huh. Well, that's not right. How do they get in at the last moment? See, maybe one of the greatest stories is that when Jesus was dying on the cross, there were two that were crucified beside him. And the one cursed him. Oh, if you are the Messiah, if you're the big man, if you could say that you do all this stuff, then why don't you save me? Why don't you get down off the cross? Why don't you do all of this stuff? And the thief on the other said, you need to be quiet. Listen, we're getting what we deserved. We sinned. We robbed we did wrong, and this is the penalty. He did nothing wrong. And yet he was willing to take all of our wrong on himself. And then in the closing breath, he said, Jesus, forgive me. And the story of that man has lived now on some 2,000 years that said, Jesus, I do forgive you. Upon your confession of faith, today you will be with me in paradise.
this is my story. This is my song. The sight of heaven. The sound of glory. The paradise of my story that I was once lost, but now I'm found. Friends, I would love to tell you of all that heaven is going to be, but the most important thing that I need to tell you today is how you get to heaven. I could spend days telling you about the sights and the sounds, but what matters most this morning is your story. Have I truly asked Jesus to come into my heart and into my life? Do I recognize that it was his death on Calvary that provides for me the hope of heaven? I'm going to pray for you this morning, and Jocelyn is going to lead us in a hymn. And I'm going to ask you to respond however you feel you need to respond today. Whether you feel like you need to sit there, you need to stand, you need to come around the front, whether it's a moment that you have been playing with the things of God, the message of God, and yet to really understand, is that what it's going to take to make heaven? Or maybe for some of you today, for the very first time, would be an opportunity to pray with me to say, listen, I've heard about heaven, but I'm not ready to go. And the only way, the only way, please don't fool yourself. The only way is to ask Jesus to come into your life to be your Savior. And I'm going to pray that with you right now then Jocelyn is going to lead us and then I want you to respond to this message to what has hit your spirit and hit your soul today would you bow your heads with me this morning Father we pray in this moment today for the power of heaven to show up Lord as it has in our worship I pray it would now do in word let the word of the gospel today let it transform life to those who are lost God I pray Jesus I speak Jesus into every heart and life in this room today. If you are here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, if you want to be assured that heaven is going to be your home, then this prayer, the Bible lays out for you. You're not repeating words I am making up. I'm just leading you in what the Bible says to us. It says that we confess our sins. Today, Father, I, I ask for your forgiveness of my sin of being separated from you, of my selfishness. The Bible says that we believe. I realize that as Pastor Jim has talked, that you are the only way, that, that heaven are for followers of Jesus, that you are the, word, the way, the truth, and the life. And so today, Jesus, I believe in your word that I have experienced, that I feel in this place. And the Bible says that we confess with our own mouth. And so today I ask you, you don't have to repeat after me, but how will you say it today? The today that I receive Jesus into my life. Today I accept because I believe and I confess that Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my Lord today.